Uh, Father, I want to thank you for uh, the opportunity to break down into uh, guys and talk about the struggles that guys have. Uh, Father, as Aaron and Ryan talk to us about guilt and shame, I know that that's something that's, that's been on my heart and just in my mind in various different situations throughout my life. And I know it's going to be the same as I get, as I get older. Um, and I think, uh, Father, you want us to understand the point of guilt and shame, not to hold us down, but to, pu- to push us forward. So, Father, help us to understand and listen to what you're trying to tell us through Ryan and through Aaron. Father, bless them uh, with that wisdom to use your words uh, and soften our hearts as we, uh, we listen and we share uh, with each other um, what's going on in our lives. Father, we love you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this weekend. And we praise your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so for those of you guys who don't know, my name is Ryan. Uh, I'm the youth leader over at the uh, Interbelt Church. Um, you know, a lot of you guys in Wentzville, most of you guys know me from like camps and stuff like that, but just in case there's anybody in here that doesn't, um, yeah, I work with the, the youth ministry over there at the uh, St. Louis County or the Interbelt Church. Um, so, and today, you know, what we're going to talk to you guys is about, about guilt and shame. And then I'll hand it over to Aaron. Thank you, sir. I'm Aaron. Um, I'm over at the uh, St. Charles County. I always say Wentzville, but St. Charles County uh, Crossings and uh, one of the leaders there. And, um, you know, today we're going to be talking about one of the dream busters um, that can kill our dream. If you guys have studied the Bible or if you guys are planning on studying the Bible, one of the first verses, right, honestly, the first verse that you guys will read is in Jeremiah 29, 11. And it talks about how God has amazing plans for your life. God has plans to, to prosper your life, to not harm you, give you good hope in the future, right? And th- those are the dreams that God has for your life. But um, life happens, right? And we come into these, these dream busters. We, we face these things that can come up in our life, spring in our life, and they can kill our dreams, prematurely or even honestly kill our dreams while we're trying to pursue that dream. And what we're going to be talking about um, today is the dream buster of guilt and shame. And uh, man, if I'm if I'm going to be just completely honest with you guys, uh, this lesson preparing to the like for this lesson was one that I greatly procrastinated, um, not because I was. I guess choosing to be, I guess, irresponsible, but more so because this is a lesson that uh, while, while I was doing it, you, you know, I just kind of have to relive guilt and shame uh, in my life. Uh, and I think that's something that's just really, really hard, whether it's dealing with uh, my abuse uh, from my past or dealing with just the, the sin that I've struggled with. I think it was just really hard just to go back and, and just look at all the things, all the times I've messed up, all the times I've hid or lied, uh, you know, in front of, it's funny because a lot of the leaders uh, that are leaders now were also leaders whenever I was going through the ministry. And, you know, there was times where I lied right to their face. There's times where I hid things, times where I, um, you know, were, was messing around, right, you know, right in their houses, in their cars and, and, and lying about it. And so this this lesson was something that was, I guess, hard for me to to do in the sense uh, that I had to just relive that. Um, 
And, you know, like, while doing it, I feel like there was times where I just had a bad attitude. Um, but, man, I pray that, you know, God can, can speak through me um, in my vulnerability uh, and speak to Ryan and, you know, just allow us just to uh, speak well and for you guys to get something out of it. Um, so as we start, um, that dream buster, I'm going to be starting talking about guilt. Um, and if you guys, you know, guilt can be defined as an internal acknowledgement that I've done something wrong or that something wrong has been done. Um, whenever we look at guilt, man, guilt is like, man, I, I've done something wrong, right? You, there's like guilt is like this alarm system that goes off in your head whenever you do something wrong, whenever you mess up, whenever you make a mistake, you know, whether it's, you know, you doing sports and you like miss a layup or you whatever, or if you treat somebody badly and you feel bad about it, you know, guilt is like, man, I have, I have done something wrong. Now, <clears throat> while it being that alarm system, I need you guys to realize that guilt can be a good thing. Uh, guilt can be something that is good uh, for you guys, but it all depends on how you guys respond to the guilt. Um, when you guys have guilt, there's typically two responses that we have to it. Uh, guilt, can, you can respond to it well or in the correct way. Um, and I'll be talking a little bit about that. Um, so whenever we respond correctly to that guilt, um, that uh, brings about godly sorrow. Uh, so whenever we have a, a correct response to guilt, we have godly sorrow. And in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7 Verse 11, it says this. <clears throat> See what this sorrow, uh, the sorrow that God wanted you to have, has done in you. It has made you very serious. It has made you want to restore yourself. It has made you angry and afraid. It has made you want to see me. It has made you care. Uh, it has made you want to do the right thing. In every way, you have regained, regained your innocence. So we see here uh, from this verse that whenever we have the right response to guilt in our life, whenever that alarm system goes off and we have this right response, we do things differently. Whenever we have true sorrow, it says we're very serious. Whenever we make, this, whenever we make a mistake, man, we're serious about correcting that mistake. We're serious about learning from that mistake. And then it says it made you want to restore yourself. So, you know, I don't know, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure everybody here has, has made a mistakes, but whenever you're serious about the mistake that you make, you want to right that wrong, right? You want to make sure that you, you right that wrong. You want to make sure that you restore yourself because you don't want to do that again. And it says it made you angry and it made you afraid. Not angry at the sense that you're just mad at the world and angry at the sense that you're just mad at everybody who, whether it's, you know, somebody who pointed at the mistake, but you're angry that you did it. You're angry that you messed up. And you're afraid of messing up again. Not in the sense that you're scared to move, because I feel like that can be a common thing where I don't want to, you know, like I messed up with this girl, so I'm just never going to date again, or I'm just never going to. But you're afraid because you know the consequences. You're afraid because you realize that, man, God has something better for my life, and you're afraid uh, of messing up again. And then it says, it made you want to see me. You want to draw closer to God. You want <clears throat> to... Uh, go to God, and then it said it made you care. Um, you know, for me, I feel like there's times in my life where I'm guilty of something, and I just don't care. You know, but like having that true <clears throat> sorrow, it makes you want to care. It makes you want to care about what you're doing, who you hurt, the mistakes that you made, and it makes you care. But it also makes you want to do the right thing. Um, 
you want to make sure that you're somebody who continually does does the right thing uh, or tries to do the right thing. And then it says, in every way you have regained your innocence. And that innocence being that God, uh, he gives you grace and he gives you mercy and he forgives you. Uh, because you decided to take it serious, because you decided to um, <clears throat> do the right thing and because you cared, God has forgiven you your innocence. And we see this correct response. We see this response, um, an example of this, of this response in Acts 2. In Acts 2.37, um, you know, this is uh, not too long after Jesus has been killed. And Peter, he's, he's speaking and he's addressing the crowd and he's addressing the same crowd who is just testifying and preaching for Jesus to be killed. And so he, he's addressing them. And he confronts them. And he says, like, man, like this was the guy that you guys, this was the guy that was supposed to be, that, that was the savior. Like you guys were waiting for the savior. And then you, he comes up and you kill him. And this, this is that guy. And Peter says this. And the people's response was, what, what can we do? And at this point, I mean, it's, it's not even like, I don't think that's necessarily even the question that they were asked. They were asking, like, is there anything that we can do? Is there anything that we can do to, to truly restore ourselves? And I think whenever we make that mistake, that's the kind of approach that we need to have. Is there anything that I can do? Whatever it takes. I, w- I remember last night I was, uh, we had a cabin discussion. And, you know, one of the guys was like, man, I, I, I really, whatever it takes, I want to make sure that this this church succeeds past, you know, whenever our leaders now get old and they die, whatever it takes. And whenever it comes to guilt, whenever it comes to dealing with our guilt, we need to make sure that we're truly able and ready or <clears throat> we're truly wanting to do whatever it takes to be able to restore ourselves. So that's kind of what it looks like whenever we respond correctly but easy enough i mean if you're like me most of the time you don't respond correctly to when it comes to when you have that guilt and uh we're going to be talking about what what it leads to whenever you respond incorrectly yeah so you know like aaron was talking about a lot about that guilt right it's that godly healthy response that we we receive whenever we do something we know we shouldn't right and it's how what action follows that that response or that guilt is what determines whether it's the correct response or the incorrect response. And, you know, Aaron talked about that correct response that we should be having. But what about if we respond to guilt in an incorrect way, right? When we respond to guilt incorrectly, then that can lead us into that next point is shame, right? So you've got guilt, which can be a healthy thing. And then how you respond to that determines whether or not you go into this pattern of shame. So let's talk about what shame is. So the definition of shame is it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Okay? So you get this painful feeling of humiliation, right? I'm humiliated by what I just did, and I can't, there is no way I'm going to tell anybody about this, right? That's shame. Because it's, it's too bad. There is no way that anybody can find out about this. Like this is that incorrect guilt response of, oh my gosh, I messed up so greatly. People aren't going to understand how bad this is. People aren't going to understand, you know, what I'm going through. And it's that perception that we are worthless because of who we are, right? I made this mistake. So that defines who I am. And now I'm, I'm wallowing in this shame 
about this mistake that I made. And you, you label yourself <clears throat> uh, based on the things that we do. We, we label ourselves by these mistakes uh, rather than understanding that we make mistakes and moving from those. But kind of a little acronym on shame uh, that I got from listening to a podcast. Uh, it's self-hatred at my expense. So shame, S-H-A-M-E, self-hatred at my expense, right? You, you get to this point where you start hating the things about yourself and you start hating these decisions and these mistakes that we've made and then that's when we start to ruin ourselves, right? We start to hate ourselves, we think we're worthless, we think that we can't overcome this, that there's no hope, Right? And a lot of times this shame is the difference between making a mistake and being the mistake. You guys hear that? It's the difference between actually making a mistake, which is normal, and we're going to make mistakes, versus actually being that mistake. You guys aren't a mistake. The, things, the mistakes that you make aren't, don't define who you are, right? But we are going to make mistakes, and that's okay but we've got to learn how to respond once we do. <clears throat> so, you know, like Aaron was talking about, that guilt can drive us to confess our sins. But when our sins are left hidden, when we hide from those things and we keep those things to ourselves, that's when it leads us into this shame. And in Job 31 verse 3, it says, If I have concealed my sin as people do by hiding my guilt in my heart. So when we get this guilt... When we feel this guilt for something that we've done wrong, right? Job here, he's talking to God and he's basically saying, God, if you've seen any of this in me, if you've seen me conceal my sin, if you've seen me hide my guilt in my heart, then yes, I am guilty. And in this case, Job didn't actually do those things. He didn't conceal his sin and he wasn't hiding that guilt in his heart. But he also understood what the incorrect response to guilt was. And that is concealing our sins and hiding that, that guilt in our heart. <clears throat> so we look at an example from Job of someone who, who understood what that incorrect response was like. Um, but, you know, like I was saying, guys, with shame, you know, it, it leaves us in those feelings of like feeling like we're unforgivable, right? That we can't be forgiven for the things that we've done. We feel worthless, um, it can drive you to feel like you're all alone, like that no one has ever done or made this mistake that you just made, right? It can, it can drive you to feel like, you know what, no one's going to understand these thoughts that I have. You know, if, you, if any of you guys are like me, I can have some pretty crazy thoughts. Like some of the things that I think about, I just wonder to myself, why in the world are any of those thoughts even in my mind? Like some of the thoughts I have are just plain evil. And... Like, I don't talk about those with everybody often, right? Most, most of you guys probably don't talk about those things often. Because in a lot of cases, when we have those thoughts, it's like, oh, no, like, get rid of those things, right? That's, or that's just too crazy. I can't believe I'm thinking about that, right? But there are times when those thoughts, if we don't deal with those thoughts or, like, talk about those things, then we can feel ashamed. And sometimes that can lead us to act on those thoughts. Um, you know, and with feeling 
unforgivable, with feeling worthless, with feeling like nobody else can relate. All of those are direct lies from Satan, right? He's trying to trick you into thinking that you're all alone in this, that you, whatever guilt and shame that you're experiencing, no one else is experiencing it. You're all alone. That's what Satan is trying to trick you to believe. And when we sit in that shame, it can lead to, to death that the sin creates. Right? You guys know when you sin, it creates this death. In James 1, verse 14 through 15, it says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires. Okay? Temptation. Right? Not necessarily, a, not a, it's not a sin to be tempted. We're going to be tempted. Right? We're going to have temptations. I have temptations all the time. What do we do with those temptations? Well, it says that those temptations are trying to drag us away. They're enticing us. Right. But then after that desire or that temptation has conceived, meaning we acted on that desire, it gives birth to sin. Right. So you have these temptations. You have these crazy thoughts. Those are okay. Those are normal. But what we do with that thought determines whether or not we've now moved into that step of sinning. Right. So you have those thoughts. You can choose right then and there, oh man, these thoughts are pretty bad. I need to talk about these things. That's that guilt response. It's a healthy response. We talk about that, those thoughts, and then it can prevent us from moving into that step of action and moving into sin. But then he continues on. It gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. So when you guys have made that choice to step into sin, it doesn't mean that it ends there. Right? You still have that choice to repent from that sin and, and move in the right direction, have a correct response even to that sin. But when we continue to have an incorrect response, we continue to sin, we continue to make that same mistake, then when sin is full grown, it can lead to death. So how does, how does shame negatively affect us? Well, it causes us to hide and to isolate. <clears throat> It causes us to hide and to isolate ourselves. So uh, a lot of you guys who know me, um, you know, I was reached in the campus ministry over at Lindenwood University, and I, I met my wife there. Um, we started dating. You know, we were talking. I, one of the things that I struggle with is I struggle with sexual sin. Like, I lead the game plan class over at the Interbelt um, talking about sexual addictions, right? The temptations, the lust, the pornography, all those things. And when I first became a Christian, I felt like I was free from that. And for a while there, I feel like I was. Um, and I think I got in my own head of thinking that I was on top of the world. Oh, yep, I'm, I'm free from that sexual sin. That will no longer be me. And it wasn't long after when my now wife, we got engaged and the first thing that came to my mind was all those sexual thoughts of what happens after marriage. <clears throat> and instead of taking those thoughts and bringing those to people, I kept those inside. And I started thinking about those more consistently. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, I wonder. Like it started making me wonder, what does she look like? What's behind the curtain? What can I find out? And it led me to do some things that to this day I still regret you know, having carried out some of the actions that took away some innocence from my now wife. And 
you know, I'm, I'm lucky that he, she even decided that she was going to continue that down that path and forgive me. And we ended up getting married. But, you know, these thoughts that I had, I just kept those things. I was so ashamed. I, well, at that time, I wasn't really ashamed of those thoughts. But I thought that I could handle it on my own. You know, that I knew it was, I knew it was guilty. I felt guilty about it, right? Because it's, I knew it was wrong. We weren't married yet. I needed to wait until that right time. And so I felt that guilt, but instead of taking that guilt response, I responded incorrectly, right? I kept all those things hidden. I isolated myself. I didn't talk about those things. And it wasn't what, it was only a week after we had gotten engaged before that, you know, was something that happened. And, you know, I, whenever I hide and I isolate from other people, and when this guilt response happens, I can tend to minimize it, right? We think, oh, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Those thoughts that I'm having, oh, that's not big, that big of a deal. Let me just set that off to the side. Um, and then it leads us into rationalizing those thoughts, right? You think, oh, well, other people are, you know, probably had these thoughts. It's what, you know, it's whatever. Everybody else is doing it, right? And you start to rationalize and, oh... I don't know if you guys have ever had this thought, but whenever I have a crazy thought, or even when there's been times where I have sinned, and I think to myself, you know what, this time I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to, you know, God, please forgive me. I'll never do it again. This time, I'm just not going to talk about it, but I'll never do this again. And I rely on my own strength to try and not do that thing again, and guess what ends up happening? I end up doing that exact same thing I said I was never going to do again. And I think that I can just hide or just me and God, I can confess it with just me and God and then I'll be okay. And the problem with that is, is we're telling God that, you know what, I don't need your people. <clears throat> I can do this on my own. And I can, I can just, with the willpower that I have, with my abilities, with my knowledge and my wisdom, I can get through this on my own. <clears throat> which is the, you know, the furthest thing from the truth. And after minimizing it, rationalizing it, we then, it turns into compromise, right? We lower our moral standards and then we give in to that guilt and we give in to those temptations and then we end up sinning. <clears throat> um, in Proverbs 28, verse 13, it says, if you hide your sins, you will not succeed. This is in the NCV version. It's a little bit different in the NIV version, and I like this one specifically because it says you will not succeed. There is no way for you to succeed if you hide your sins. <clears throat> and, I mean, that's the first thing that you read in the Bible is Adam and Eve in the garden, and they're trying to hide from their sin that they just committed, right? They think that they can hide from the one who created them and made them to exist. And so then they're, you know, the hiding in the bushes or hiding from God, like, oh, you know, and, <clears throat> and guys, there was, there's been a lot of times in my life that I've tried to hide my sin. You know, going back even to before I was a Christian, <clears throat> I would hide my, my sin all through high school. Like I grew up in the church, um, but I didn't truly have a very strong relationship with God growing up. Um, and I didn't think I needed to, really. 
But, you know, I was going out and I was, I had a girlfriend that I was sleeping with for like six months. We broke up. I was cheating on, we, I was broke up. We got back together. I was cheating on her. Then I jumped into another one, same thing. And all that time, I was, there's no way I was going to tell my parents these things. And I was just hiding these things. Uh, Drinking, right? I was going out to parties and drinking, getting drunk pretty consistently after any kind of athletic event that we would have. We'd go and get together with our friends. Some of their friends' parents didn't mind. They would actually, you know, allow all those things to happen. All the meanwhile, my parents didn't know these things were happening. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in a church like this to where I had youth leaders that were investing time into me, helping me to fully understand what it's like to deal with guilt in a positive light. So I know I'm just speaking to some of you guys who were raised up in this church, right? You have parents who care about your salvation. You have parents that care about, you know, the things that are going on. And even beyond just your parents, you have youth leaders that are investing and pouring a lot of time into you guys and are opening their homes and giving you opportunities to speak about these sins that you've been hiding. And instead... We're wasting these opportunities and continuing to just hide from these things. <clears throat> and this sin is not something we can just run from. Like, God knows what's been done. You can't run from it. You can't hide from it. <clears throat> and we know what happens when we respond to it correctly, right? There's forgiveness. There is those things. But, guys, one of we can't, we can't allow that shame, that guilt and that shame to cause us to hide from, the, from our sin. Uh, <clears throat> so the first thing that Ryan was talking about was, uh, just to recap, we hide. Um, and in Genesis 2, it's funny because, you know, like you, you look at Adam and Eve and, you know, it says um, they were in the garden, they were naked and they felt no shame. And then you read the next chapter, you flip a page, and it says in Genesis 3, whenever they mess up and whenever they, um, you know, c- commit this sin, that the first thing they did was hide. The first thing they tried to do was hide, and they tried to cover themselves up, and they tried to hide from God. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy how that works whenever, you know, like we, we try to hide our sin. Just, it, it just doesn't work well. <clears throat> the next thing that we try to do is, uh, was the next thing that... Uh, Adam tried to do uh, is we blame others. Um, I guess a little bit about me. I uh, <clears throat> I guess I started started coming to church around like you know four or five years old uh, with my stepdad, and my stepdad was part of the campus ministry at the Greater Alden Church before we moved over on the church plant, and um, you know like he definitely. Um, I can say, like, without him, I, you know, like, I wouldn't have a relationship with God. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, you know, it's kind of sad now because he, you know, he's, he doesn't have a relationship with God. But uh, I think that, you know, like, he, he definitely saved me uh, from a lot. Uh, but he couldn't save me from everything. Um, you know, at the age of four, um, I started being uh, sexually abused by uh, a few different members 
of my family. And uh, I just, I, you know, I remember going through it, but even more so, I remember uh, being teased about it. Um, you know, like every year we had family reunions and we have a big family. And, um, you know, I just remember, you know, sitting wherever with all like my cousins and all whatever. And they would tease me and they would, you know, be like, oh man, remember we made you do that? Or remember when this happened? And, you know, like it would, it would get to me. It would. Um, and after a while, um, you, you tried to not let it get to you. You know, you just, because there's so much shame um, and there's so much embarrassment that after a while, you know, like I try to show them that it didn't get to me. So my face, I, I, I remember um, whenever we found out we were pregnant with Iris uh, and my mom went to look at my, you know, my baby pictures and my pictures growing up. And I remember being young and um uh, just having a smile that was contagious. And as we flipped through like the years, I remember seeing and just remembering the exact year to where that, that smile just went away. It was because I didn't want my cousins to know that they had got to me from teasing me, um, from pouring shame onto me. And I just, I just, I didn't want, I didn't want them to know that they got to me. You know, I didn't want them to see that. Um, so just that, that shame, you know, like my face just went away and, you know, like I, I wanted to just, I, you know, I didn't want them to know um, that I had such shame and such embarrassment about uh, the abuse that I had suffered. Well, coming up in the high school ministry, you know, I started started dating and I ended up dating my wife now. Um and we ended up being very impure and messing around and, you know, sneaking around and, you know, some of the leaders' houses and their cars, like I mentioned earlier, and, you know, just lying about it. And I remember when we got caught and I remember going through uh, Wounded Heart, going through Healings of Choice after we broke up. And I remember thinking and just being so mad because I had to I had to face all of these all this abuse, I had to face all these sexual uh, struggles, and I had to face all these things. And I remember just being so angry and being like, God, I, like, I know I messed up. I know that I'm messed up inside. I know that I'm like, you know, just whatever, but it's not my fault. <laughs> you know, I remember thinking, man, this, is, this isn't my fault. Like, if you, like, God, like, why did you put me with this family? Why did you allow me to be abused? Why did you put this 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 sexual sin on my heart like why did why did you make me such a sexual creature why did you allow me to get abused why did you allow my dad to leave me why did you allow all these things and i remember thinking like man this is not my fault if you had given me something better i would have done something better with it but man that's not true but you know when we blame others we we push God away, we push others away. You look at Adam's response and, you know, he, he, he tries to do the same thing. You know, he goes from hiding and covering himself up to saying the woman that you gave me. How cowardly is that? How, how much of a coward can you be to just not take responsibility? The woman that you gave me. 
I give, God gives you this perfect woman to lead. And then you, you blame God for giving you this woman that you didn't lead well. And for me, you know, like, and when it comes to shame, we, we, we try to blame everybody else except for us when it comes to hiding that shame. Um, you know, like I was looking at this interview. I was reading this interview about trauma and, you know, whatnot and, and dysfunction in homes. And, you know, they were, these two people were talking and this lady was like, you know, in every household, uh, there can only be one victim. And, you know, if there's, because there's only one victim, everybody else is wrong. And this victim uh, is always right. And the problem with blaming everybody else and, for, and thinking everybody else needs to change is you never do. You never get to change and you never get to do anything differently because you're too focused on blaming everybody else. Um, but that's how, you know, that's <clears throat> how shame uh, can affect you negatively and keep you from uh, getting the dream uh, that God uh, promises and God wants you to have. is because you're too busy blaming others uh, to be able to focus on the things that you need to change. <clears throat> so we, d- we can destroy that, that dream that God has for us with our shame when we respond to it negatively uh, by hiding and isolating, by blaming others but then also by allowing this hopelessness to overcome us. Um, you know, I kind of talked a little bit about that in the beginning of when you feel that shame, you feel hopeless, right? We feel that we can't change. So you know what? Why try? I can't change this. Why, why try? I might as well just give up and you have, you have this hopeless feeling. Or we feel like we're unable to receive God's dream because we've messed up so badly that there is no way that God has a plan and a dream for me, right? And we know that that's the farthest thing from the truth because you look at a lot of, of the history of the Bible and you see how many people have made some really big mistakes, a lot bigger mistakes than we've made in here. And still, they, they do well or they are able to overcome that, and it's not just hopeless. There's not just that ending because of a mistake that they made. Um, And in Romans 7, verse 25, this is when, in Romans 7, a lot of you guys have heard this. This is when he's talking about sin. Paul is talking about sin and what it does and how there's this battle internally in our mind and in our heart, right? He says, I hate the things I do not do, and the things I do not do, these I keep on doing. Right? And he keeps going back and forth about this battle of temptation and sin. And man, I don't want to sin. Man, I don't want to mess up. Man, I don't. <clears throat> and at the very end of that, he says, But what a miserable man I am. Who will save me from this body that brings me death? Right? So <clears throat> we get this hopeless feeling of, you know what? I, this is it. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to overcome this. So why try? So we can hide, isolate, we can blame others, and we can feel hopeless when we respond negatively to shame and guilt. <clears throat> so how do we combat shame in a godly way? Um, whenever we have shame, how do we fight that? How do we rid uh, ourselves of shame? The first thing that we do um, is we confess our sins. Um, well, 
going through, I guess, the Wounded Heart class, uh, one of the things that they say uh, is you have to shed a light on your shame. Um, whenever you're dealing with shame, uh, you want to, to keep it in the dark. You want to be able to uh, hide it, um, you know, but the thing about keeping things in the dark is the dark is ugly. The dark is alone um, and it, uh, it keeps you away. But you want to be able to shed a light uh, on your shame and the things that that you uh, are struggling with, the things that uh, you have in your life. And you want to be able to um, confess those things. In First John uh, 1 chapter or chapter 1 verse 9, it says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us for our sins and purify us. Of all unrighteousness, um, God, he, God, he's waiting to be able to forgive us. He's waiting to be able to purify us. He's waiting to be able to restore us. But that involves us confessing our sin and knowing that <clears throat> we need to depend on him to be able to do those things. Um, so we need to be able to, to confess our sin. Um, <clears throat> and we need to realize that... Um, we need to vocalize the things uh, that allow us to have guilt, uh, vocalizing those, uh, vocalizing uh, our sins, and even our uh, temptations. And, you know, speaking to that, confessing our temptations, guys, like going back to that story that I was telling you guys about, when you guys have those thoughts and those ideas that pop up in your head and you know they're, they're, you feel guilty about those thoughts, you know, it's in those moments right then, you guys need to talk about those things. Confess those thoughts, confess those temptations before you begin to act on those things, right? <clears throat> it can't just be, oh, well, I had this bad thought, let me just throw it off to the side and then not deal with it again. Because that thought, in a lot of cases, that thought comes back again, right? You come around to a situation where you find yourself in the same situation and then bam, that thought comes back up. And because you haven't dealt with it, because you haven't talked to somebody else about it and exposed it, brought it into the light, then it leads you to start acting on those thoughts, right? You've hidden that thought this far. Why not act on it and still hide it again, right? And it can lead you to continue to, to hide those things. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I think there was a point in my time where, important in my life where it was easy to just confess the sin, right? Well, okay, I looked, I looked at porn and then, you know, like I'm trying to do this better, you know, I'm trying to, you know, um, make sure I don't do it again. Then the next guy's being, oh, okay, well, you know, I looked at porn this week again and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, like, it, and I feel like, you know, it, it's this cycle of, oh, I did this, oh, I did this. Um, but, you know, what Ryan is saying in confessing those temptations is making sure that you put up roadblocks, putting up things before you can give yourself a, a chance to struggle with those things. Putting up those roadblocks, texting your guys, hey, man, I'm really struggling. Hey, man, like, I, uh, should I be doing this? You know, is this something that I should be doing? Is this something that I should be looking at? Um, you know, how do you deal with, um, you know, like... With, with the thoughts and things like that, taking thoughts captive and making sure that you're communicating the things that cause you to struggle, you know, if you truly want to deal with the shame. Uh, second thing, after you confess, uh, you need to repent. Uh, repentance is uh, the second way of how to combat uh, shame. Um, 
You know, confession is only only half the battle. Uh, you have to actually want to do something about it. You have to actually want to uh, change uh, what you're doing. And going back to Acts <clears throat> Acts two, you know, like whenever Peter was talking to the ground and they said, "Man, what like what can we do?" Um, Peter's response was, "Repent and be baptized." Repentance uh, is a change of thought that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of action. Um, it's not just saying, man, I'm, I'm messed up, I've messed up, I've done these things. But it's putting yourself in line to do something different, uh, to do things God's way. Uh, because that's, that's the way, that's how you achieve the dream that God longs for your life, uh, is by confessing your sins and also by repenting and, and doing things uh, <clears throat> in a totally different way. You know, I remember when... Um, <clears throat> whenever me and, you know, Jess broke up and there was a lot of things that I had to do differently. Um, there was, a, you know, there was a lot of things that we didn't do the first time. Uh, as a couple, we never, uh, we, <laughs> we never acted, even acted like we remotely struggled. I remember uh, one of the girls went to her for advice and, um, you know, she was honest and she was like, how do you deal with when it comes to uh, struggling with temptation of wanting to uh, make out or something like that? And Jess was like, oh, man, we, we never struggle with that. We, we never struggle with, uh, you know, with wanting to uh, be impure or anything like that. And literally she know that the day before, you know, we were out messing around and. Um, you know, she, you know, we ended up lying right to her face and, but whenever we broke up, there was things that needed to change. Uh, we had to involve people. Um, you know, we made sure that we, uh, every week we met with somebody to, to be able just to learn from them, be able to, uh, watch them and be able to, uh, have them, um, uh, just watch over us. And I don't want to blend too much <laughs> into the, to the next point, but. Um, you know, we had to do things very differently uh, than what we were doing before because we wanted to be different and we didn't want to be lost uh, in that guilt and in that shame. Um, so confession, uh, repentance, and then the third thing <clears throat> is trust and accountability. So, <clears throat> you know, I kind of before we get into this trust and accountability, one of the things I wanted to mention with the hopelessness is with that situation I talked about with my now wife, with Lindsay, um, I, we ended up going to visit my parents, and that's when everything went down. We came back, and I sat in on Sunday morning and listened to Robert preach, and God designed that sermon direct, to be directed right at me. Like I sat in those pews knowing what I had done, knowing the sin that I had committed, and I hadn't told anybody about it up to this point. And was sitting there just listening to Robert, and it was daggers, arrows through my heart. Like, I could just feel it. Just gut-wrenching guilt and shame for what I had done, right? And it was at that moment I had to make a decision. And after church was over, Lindsay and I got in the car. We were going to go celebrate Thanksgiving with her family. And I confessed about what I had done. And she was extremely upset, which she had every right to be. Um, you know, she went inside and celebrated Thanksgiving, told me not to even come in that house. And it, at that moment, I, I felt hopeless. I'm like this, I, I don't know that. And we were engaged, right? 
And I didn't know if that was going to mean that that was the end of that. And I would never, you know, have that opportunity again. But, you know, I, I bring that back up because I did. I felt very hopeless. And with that hopelessness comes a choice. We can either sit in that hopelessness and not make a change or we can actually do something about it. Um, but, you know, like what, what Aaron was talking about, right? We need to confess our sins. We need to repent from those sins. And then we also need to have trust and accountability where we have a band of brothers, where we have people in our life that we're able to talk about these things with, that we're able to express our temptations, express our thoughts. And that we need those people in our life that we talk about everything with, right? Um, you know, while we are unqualified to earn God's trust, we are never disqualified from the prize. You know, <clears throat> it's not something that we earn. That trust with God is not something that we earn. We're going to mess up, right? We're going to break His trust. We're going to break people's trust. We're going to make mistakes. But <clears throat> we've got to have people in our life that we, that we talk about these things, that we openly express our temptations and our thoughts so that we, know, we don't just sit in those things and feel that guilt and feel that shame and then don't do anything about it. In Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know, when iron sharpens iron, that's not, <clears throat> I mean, you got two, two pieces of iron banging against each other in order to sharpen those tools up, right? That's not a good feeling. Like, those, those pieces of iron banging against each other, that process of that happening isn't a, you know, a soft, cuddly, sweet little process. It is painful, right? And if you guys are going to sharpen each other, you're going to have to get hurt. And getting hurt means talking about things that you don't necessarily want to talk about. Things that you are ashamed of. Things that have made you feel guilty and that made you feel like you are a mistake, and you guys sitting in these seats right now tells me that you're here because you don't want to sit in that shame anymore. You don't want to hide from that guilt that you've been hanging on to anymore, and you're surrounded right now by people who have made that same decision that you have. If you're not here for that reason, then why are you? The question has been posed to you in a, in a few different lessons, like God has a dream for you and maybe you're on board for a part of that dream, except, I don't know what that is for you, except what, what is holding you back from really like living out God's dream and God's plan for your life? <clears throat> you know, you guys got to have people that you are talking about, you got to have that accountability in your life. Otherwise, you're going to find yourselves in some pretty dark places. And I can tell you that from experience, and I know there's a lot of leaders that can also say the same thing. <clears throat> Once you've confessed, you've repented, you've surrounded yourself by people that want to hold you accountable and are willing to listen and hear you out through your thoughts and your temptations and your sins... God's going to forgive you for those things, right? That forgiveness happens and it's such a free feeling when you are forgiven, right? You guys ever had that moment where you get something 
this whatever that guilt or that shame and you've gotten it off your chest and you are forgiven how free that feels to not have to deal with this gut-wrenching anguish of guilt and shame that you've been holding on to and not telling anybody about, but you've been sitting in sermons listening and you know you feel it. It's inside there and it hurts. But after that process has taken place, you've confessed, repented, and you've surrounded yourself by people that can hold you accountable. Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14, it says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Right? Okay, it's, you've confessed it, you've repented from it, and you've got people that are there set in place to hold you accountable. All right, don't think about it no more. He says, forget about what is behind you. Not in the sense of you don't, you know, forget about mistakes that you've made in the past that remind you not to make those mistakes again, but forget about it. Don't hang on to it so much to the point where you're just not able to move forward, not able to press on, right? He says, forget what is behind and straight toward what is ahead and focus on the goal that is your eternity in Christ. So, you know, just kind of close things out, guys. Guilt and shame can be something that can be can't think of the word of it but it can disable you right guilt and shame can just completely disable you and depending on what your response is will determine whether or not you're going to be able to overcome that so don't sit on that guilt and shame any longer talk about it repent from it and put people in your life that are going to be able to hold you accountable let's pray um dear heavenly father i just want to thank you for um Just this opportunity to be able to talk about your word, talk about what guilt and shame, what it is, what it does, uh, how it can affect us. But God, I just pray that you will help us to understand that we aren't alone. You know, these thoughts and these temptations that I have, I'm not the only one that has these things. You know, and God, I just pray that we can understand that, you know, Satan is trying to destroy us and tell us that that we are just messed up these thoughts that we have were screwed up and that we don't belong. But God, we know that that's not the truth because of your word. And because of your sacrifice of your son, we know that there is forgiveness. We know that there is hope. God, I pray that you'll help us to take some of these steps, deal with the guilt and shame and not allow it to overcome us. God, I want to thank you for your son and for the forgiveness that we've been given. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.